always have around me and I think is required reading for any relationship, but especially romantic relationships, is The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Today on the show, we are talking with Dr. Jennifer Thomas, who alongside Chapman, co-authored The Five Apology Languages, The Secret to Healthy Relationships. I loved this book, and I think every couple should have both the five love languages and perhaps even more importantly, the five apology languages nearby at all times. The bottom line, in a relationship, we are going to make mistakes. We are going to need to apologize at some point or at many points. Now it's our responsibility to learn how to best apologize and how to most effectively apologize so that it can get through to our partner. It is important to know both our love and apology languages, but also especially those of our partner. This book provides groundbreaking research about apologies and it's a must read. Jen is great and I wanna tell you a bit about her. She is a clinical and community psychologist, a business consultant, a TEDx speaker, and a motivational speaker that specializes in the five love languages and communication. There is a difference between merely apologizing and apologizing effectively, and today and through this book, we'll learn how to do the latter so our relationships can be ever stronger. As Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better, and I want to do better, and I bet you do too. Take a listen. From the five love languages to the five apology languages. Today on the show, we have the apology expert, Dr. Jennifer Thomas, whose book with Gary Chapman, the aforementioned The Five Apology Languages, The Secret to Healthy Relationships is out in paperback January 3rd. I am so excited for this conversation because God knows I could work on my apology skills. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be with you and your listeners. Yes. So, okay. So walk us through how Gary Chapman, who is the man that wrote the five love languages for listeners that don't know, combines forces with you, the apology expert, to create this book, The Five Apology Languages. Well, I practice as a clinical psychologist, and I had gotten to know Dr. Chapman over the years. Um, uh, We live nearby, and he had sent clients my way, and um, I used his five love languages in my counseling work, and now I use it in my consulting work as well. Mm -hmm. And I had an idea about apologies and how we're sometimes looking for something more than the other person is offering us and um, how we have scripts from our childhood about what makes for a good apology. And I realized really the situation that um, helped me to develop this was in my own marriage. I realized that my husband was waiting to hear something in my apologies that wasn't part of my childhood script. And so I began to dig into it and um, I could see a parallel in that with the five love languages, you're trying to um, help the other person's needs to get met, but you don't realize if you're just throwing them what works for you, mm-hmm. that they may not be receiving it. And so I got curious about whether Gary Chapman had ever thought of this idea. So I made an appointment and went and met with him. And he said that he had never thought about it, but it it sounded interesting to him. And so we began some research 
together on what do people need to hear in order to really feel that your apology is sincere. And what we found was that there are actually five different things that people want to hear in an apology. And I promise you, we weren't looking for five, although we know Gary Chapman likes that number. I was going to say, what if it was seven or eight? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, we promised we would have done seven or eight. Uh, But these are really the five distinct things that people either want to hear us say or see us do or be asked um, that lets them know that we really regret what we did and that we're gonna make things different going forward. So he and I teamed up and we wrote this book to help people be able to understand and to ask for what they need to hear in an apology. I love it. And we're going to go over those five apology languages in just a second, but the five love, the five lovely languages is completely transformative to my relationships. I just read the five apology languages. I feel as though that will be the same, but I am words of affirmation. And so I was communicating to all of my romantic partners in words of affirmation. And sometimes it would hit because that was their of language as well, but sometimes it would right. fall on deaf ears because when, as you, as anybody that's done the love language work and soon to be the apology language work knows it, it is important to know what your love language is, but it's equally, if not even more so important to know what your partner's is, because if I'm with someone that is acts of service and I'm trying to pump them with words of affirmation, but that it just doesn't do anything for them. And so, you know, anyone that has been in love longer than five minutes knows that old (laughs) adage from the movie love story, love means never having to say you're sorry is is hogwash, right? Like that that ruined everyone almost as much just Jerry Maguire's you complete me because no one can complete you you are a complete person on your own but why Mm -hmm. is it important that we know how we like to be apologized to but also how our partner likes to be apologized to right well Rachel you nailed it when you said it's equally important or more important that we say what they are waiting to hear. Um, And so the way I I describe it is that we need to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. And if we're just using our own apology scripts from our own teachers or parents, um, then we're not doing that. And that's a problem because what I find is most people are really sincere when they're apologizing, but that sincerity is not going to come through to them unless you're using their primary apology language. And yet apologies, I I think they're like the wallpaper of life. We don't really pay much attention to them. And who knew that the people that we live with or work with may have a different expectation than we ever knew or ever talked about. So if we only accomplish one thing today, um, my hope is that your listeners would get with the people that they live with and say, um, you know, I understand from this Dr. Jen Thomas that we have uh, unique ways that we want to be apologized to. Um, And so what is it for you that would um, let you allow me to get out of the doghouse? Um, no, it's when I'm so brilliant. Yeah. And so you write in the book, we believe that going beyond a quick, I'm sorry, learning to apologize effectively can help rekindle love that has been dimmed by pain. We believe that when we all learn to apologize and when we understand each other's apology language, we can trade in tired excuses for honesty, trust, 
and joy. I love that so much. I mean, is there anything Mm -hmm. worse than a half-hearted, insincere, I'm sorry, or even a sincere and wholehearted, I'm sorry, but you're someone that's looking for more than that. And and that's what this book is all about. So run us down at a Mm -hmm. high level, if you would, the five apology languages and listeners to get the full details, you can buy the book. But at a high level, what are those five apology languages? All right. Well, our first two have to do with words. So the first one is the words, I'm sorry. So we're expressing regret for what we did specifically that let them down or disappointed them or made them concerned. And um, with this, one thing that's kind of tricky with I'm sorry is I can be sorry something happened to you, but I'm not taking responsibility for it. Mm. And so that's what I was offering to my husband, JT, but he wanted me to accept responsibility. And that's our second apology language, which is saying I was wrong. And for I, someone I like that one a lot. <laughs> you like that one too. If that's your primary apology language, then it's it's kind of night and day from the just the easy reflexive, I'm sorry. This is more like if you were going in a courtroom and you're gonna plead guilty. And so they may be bracing themselves for you to throw out an excuse or cast the blame their way, because let's face it, who wants to carry blame? Mm-hmm. Um, but what's so refreshing about saying I was wrong is that they get the picture that you're not going to turn around and blame them, that you're saying the buck stops with me. And then our third apology language involves action. So that's making amends, um, which we borrow from one of the AA 12 steps. Mm -hmm. It's a very important one because if this is your primary apology language, you're going to be saying, well, talk is cheap. How do I know that you really mean this unless you're going to take steps, either spend your time or spend your money making me whole again? And then our fourth apology language is turning towards the future and talking about how can we prevent this from happening again going forward. So um, it's helpful if you can give them some guardrails or promises of what is going to change in order to prevent a reoccurrence down the road. And then our final apology language is actually a question, and that is, will you please forgive me? And this is a tricky one because a lot of us were not required to ask that question, but for listeners who were required to ask that, they may think that you're just getting warmed up in your apology or that you're holding out on them if you don't ask for their forgiveness. So it's really important to be aware of that if you work with someone or you have a good friend who needs to hear that question, will you please forgive me? I mean, this is so transformative and not just for marriages, but also for parent-child relationships, friendships, and it's, it's, but especially in particular for marriages, I think that this book has the potential to do just as much good as the five love languages did, if not more, because if you're not apologizing in Mm -hmm. your marriage, you are either having a very surface level marriage where you're not dealing with issues or, you know, you're just sweeping everything under the rug. And I like the way you put it, the apologies are the wallpaper because Mm -hmm. they're there, but you don't really think about them until you have to think about them. And then it is, it is important. And, and I've, I'm curious, you know, the book touches on this. Does the way we want to apologize to have to do with our upbringing, what shapes our apology language? 
Yes, we do think absolutely that um, we're not born knowing how to apologize. So the first thing is that we get modeling as children. Um, and it, it really does um, shape us for good or for bad, whether or not our parents were willing to admit it when they made a mistake. And then the second factor is when we messed up, what did they expect of us? And so if they... Um, expected not just words, but maybe if I made a mess as a kid and my parents said, well, well, words are a start, but go get the broom and clean up this mess, then that's more of making amends. And I may expect that from others in their apologies as well. You know, literally growing up, my mom would say the words, sorry, doesn't cut it. So literally mm -hmm. I was trained as a child where I'm sorry, pretty much means nothing it's really you know what am I going to do about it and how are we going to change the like it's just it's so it, that when I read the book it it opened up just so much in my mind about my gosh it, it is so much more complicated in a, in a great way than just saying I'm sorry because you want to be able to effectively communicate this the way that your partner needs to have it said so that you can move on and so that it can improve your marriage or your friendship or your mother-daughter relationship whatever and um you write in the book what would the world be like if we all learned to apologize effectively and I would like to ask that question of you here today yeah so um what we believe is that the world could really be transformed, um, both with love, more love, as the song goes, and with our apologies and forgiveness. Because what we know is that as humans, we inevitably offend or disappoint each other, even if we don't realize we're doing it. It's unintentional a lot of times. But those offenses create barriers between us and other people. And if there's no apology, then the barrier stays there. It's like a construction zone that you kind of build your relationship around. But we want to help people be able to um, bring down those barriers and make the roads passable between them again. And especially in this day and age where we have separations and contention like never before, we meet a political to even talk to each other sometimes. Um, what we believe is that if people can go to each other and apologize for our shortcomings and maybe for our times that we weren't willing to listen or our times that we came across as judgmental or whatever else is being laid on our heart, then it can make a huge difference if people do that all over the world, then we're going to be feeling more love and have more close connections. Yeah. And I want to talk also about the book touches on the power of true forgiveness. What is true forgiveness? Well, what we say in the five apology languages is that apologies open the doorway to forgiveness, but they don't necessarily mean that the other person is going to forgive us. So what is forgiveness? It's actually a transaction. It's where the other person accepts the weight of what we've done wrong. And they agree, in a sense, to carry it for us because they're not going to keep throwing it up in our face if, if they are willing to forgive us. If they agree to do that, what they're saying, in a sense, is that they're going to carry the burden of our mistake. And when it comes back to their mind, 
um, instead of turning to us and blaming us for how hurt they are, true forgiveness would mean um, going back to God or your spiritual being and saying, give me the strength to live out this promise of forgiveness that I made. And with that being said, I want to encourage your listeners not to give forgiveness too quickly or too lightly. I needed to hear that. I give, I give forgiveness far too easily. Okay. Well, so the thing is, when we do that, uh, we end up carrying a lot of burdens Mm -hmm. and we may also be giving people cheap grace or permission to keep treating us badly. And certainly Gary Chapman and I never want to see someone stay in a relationship that is abusive to them. Um, If that is a situation, then we recommend people getting um, a good counsel, godly counsel, and into a safe place while you see what can be done. And so it's really important, I think, um, for Christians to know that there is a problem of cheap grace. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about it decades ago, um, that when we say, you know, I forgive you, even if you haven't repented, we're setting ourselves up for more mistreatment. And that's not what the Bible talks about. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And we believe that that's the model for what Christians are to do as well, is to take people who are repentant and to work with them to change um, the dynamic and to prevent the problem from continuing to happen. But for someone who's not repentant, um, I encourage people to go and to study what the Bible says about that. And what we talk about in the five apology languages is that there's a concept of forbearance that you can use when someone is not repentant in order to not be hateful towards them while you wait for them to turn from that bad way. Well, I was going to ask you, and speaking of forbearance, I'm in a Bible study right now on the um, fruits of the spirit. And so we're, we're not quite there yet. We're on joy right now, but we're going to get to forbearance. And so that's, that's interesting that you say that, but, you know, I've always wondered, is it possible to practice true forgiveness if you never receive an apology? Because there's been many times I'm not the only one where I've been hurt and I've never received a proper apology, but I felt that I needed to forgive that person for my, for myself so that I could move on from it. But is it, is it possible to forgive without an apology? This is a tough uh, question to answer because mm-hmm. the church um, has read the Bible largely as saying, absolutely, you have to forgive everyone. And if you don't forgive them, God doesn't forgive you. Yeah. Uh, but Chapman and I did something kind of different. We went and we studied the original Greek and Hebrew in those scriptures, and we could not find any place that we are told to forgive unrepentant people. Mm. And we, so if they repent, that's a different story, but unrepentant people is, is, is a different matter. Interesting. Yeah. It's very important to know whether or not they are repentant. Um, and so when a well-meaning Bible teacher tells, if they admonish you to forgive an unrepentant person, they're laying a load of guilt on you that God wouldn't, um, lay on you. And so I think that that's something for people to really look at and to realize, wow, have I laid this guilt on victims of all people in the world to make feel guilty about not forgiving? Why would I want to make a victim feel that way? Well, I know the answer 
And part of it is that um, they want to help free you if you're the victim of some hurt. Um, and so we talk about, you know, unforgiveness doesn't hurt the other person. It's just like you carrying around burning coals or you drinking poison. It's just going to make you hateful and bitter. And this is where I like to bring forbearance into the conversation because um, that can be a middle path between forgiving and not forgiving. That's where you can park and, and wait and pray for the other person to repent while not allowing that bitterness and that poison to hurt you. Wow. That, that's blowing my mind. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have that. That's, that's fascinating. I'm going to have to think about this for, I'm going to have to play this conversation a few times because, um, you know, you write in the book, love often means saying you're sorry over and over again. It's really is the opposite of what that movie love story taught us after all. I, I right. just, how many broken marriages could be saved if we learned our partner's apology language? Right. Yeah, it's such a good point. And I liked the example that you shared a minute ago about your mom and how sorry wasn't enough for her. And so that was such an important piece for you to recognize in your own childhood patterns. And I hope that your listeners are also thinking, well, what did my parents teach me or not teach me? Because those words are probably going to come out of your mouth too. So when your partner apologizes to you, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you said, well, sorry isn't enough or sorry. No, I find myself just- saying that all the time. And literally, I mean, if I could count on, you know, I mean, countless times I heard that from my mom who is listening to the show. I love you, mom. You're a wonderful mom. Like this is not a knock on her parenting, but you know, it's it, the way that we're taught how to apologize. I think it starts early and is shaped by so many different forces, as you said. So yeah, I, yeah. I think, you know, the, therefore, when I am in relationships, the way that he would apologize to me would have to be more than in a simple, I'm sorry, because that's how I was raised to think, well, mm-hmm. apologies are more than just literally the exact verbiage is sorry, doesn't cut it. So it's, you know, it's, it's just, I, my mind is kind of being blown open live on the air right now. So excuse me if I'm rambling, but um, it's, it's so much deeper than just a tacit I'm sorry you know apologies are are real work in relationships especially marriages exactly and that's where I would give your mom a gold star for teaching you that there's something more than just the words sorry she's right there are four other apology languages that she was opening you up to knowing Um, you know, sorry, isn't going to work for everyone, but the challenge is then if you get in a relationship with someone, you know, where for their, their parents, that was the only thing they needed to hear. And so it can feel like we're playing unfairly and we don't mean to be playing unfairly at all. We just need to have a conversation about what is your primary apology language. And, um, when you've had, there are a couple of questions you can ask to get this conversation going. You can say, when you've heard a really bad apology, what was missing. And when you've heard of apology, what was included. And that'll get you most of the way there. But if you're the pencil and paper kind of person, we do also have a test in the back of the five apology languages. And on the website, fivelovelanguages.com, it's a free paper and pencil online kind of test that people can take on their apology languages. 
Well, I think that everyone needs to have a copy of the five love languages and right next to it, the five apology language that they have to go hand in hand because love, the love languages keeps the love alive when things are good, but when things go wrong and they will, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, because we're human, mm-hmm. then you have to have that companion piece of this book there. And, you know, I liken it to, I could be saying the most lovely, kind hearted words in English, but you know, if, if my partner speaks Spanish, then it it doesn't translate. And that's how I think of love languages, right? Is that I could be saying the most lovely words of affirmation, but if their love language is gifts, I'm, we're not speaking the same language. And so that's why I just want to drive home again. It is just as important, if not more important to know your partner's apology language as it is to know your own. It's important to know both, but you have to know your partners as well. And, you know, in, in addition to knowing your partners or your children's or your friends or your parents' apology languages, I think it's important to know your own because sometimes you owe yourself an apology. Um, Mm. How important is it to apologize to oneself? Yeah, we devote um, space to this because we think it's an overlooked topic. And that is that we carry around some of us so much frustration with ourselves. I mean, just look at your self-talk. Are, do you talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend or a stranger or oh, if enemy? I talk to, if I talk to people, friends, um, boyfriends, the way I talk to myself, I would have, I would have no one in my life. It would be my self talk <laughs> is, is terrible. And that's a work in progress for me. Okay. Well, I'm glad this came up because self-talk is like the, um, the edge of a, an iceberg and it really shows, um, a lot about your self relationship and the amount of love that you have for yourself. What they say about icebergs is at least two thirds of the iceberg is under the water and hidden. Uh, But the the part that that pops up and that we can see is that that bit of our self talk sometimes. I'll tell you, I'm a tennis player. And I can tell the people who have the more negative self talk as we play tennis. I know as a psychologist, I'm not supposed to analyze people, but you know, use their names like four letter words. If they miss a ball, they'll go, Oh, Jane. Oh, Pam. Yep. But they, would, they would not talk to their partner that way. Um, but Absolutely. they're, they're scolding themselves. And, and that's something that I, I want everyone who's listening today to feel more free, to feel less shame. And so I encourage you, do whatever you need to do to forgive yourself. We have an activity you can talk yourself through or journal where you express an apology to yourself and then turn around and write a letter of acceptance and forgiveness to yourself as well. And I I promise that you will feel lighter and that you will also find yourself talking more kindly to and about yourself. I love that. Now, taking ourselves out of the equation for a moment, going back to our interactions with others, is there such a thing as apologizing too much? Can too much apologizing make the action insincere? Yes, I think there are two main problems um, with apologies. One is that we aren't giving people what they're waiting to hear. And then the other is that we're over-apologizing. That is um, just sort of like apologizing for living, um, for being in your space. And it's like, we wanna get really, really tiny and too many women have this problem. Um, And so 
the problem is that first of all, it may make us feel worse about ourselves and it may not be self-respecting. The other is that people can figure out that we give apologies too quickly. And so our apologies don't carry the weight that they should. And so I people um, to not overdo it on your apologies and um, maybe to wait to apologize until you feel like there's something that you do want to accept responsibility for or make amends for. And otherwise you might um, even challenge yourself to think about other words like um, instead of I'm sorry, you might say, well, excuse me, or I'm sorry to hear that happen. We tend to say, I'm sorry to hear even that happened to you. You could say, Especially oh, that's women. women over apologize like it's their job. And that is yes. something else I'm working on. It's an epidemic. So instead of, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you, you could say, I was really sad to hear that that happened to you. Just try to be aware of every time you say sorry, whether you're accepting responsibility or not. And you may find that you can take away some of those. Also, I'm a mother of three. Um, they're all almost launched, praise Lord. Uh, and when they were here, I stopped teaching them to say, I'm sorry, because that was my reflexive thing. And I realized that a good lead in for any apology is the phrase, I apologize. And it's not is not a particular apology language. It's more the platform on which any of our five apology languages can build upon. Um, And you can think of our apology languages as steps in a good apology if you prefer. Um, And so what we say is use all five if the apology is either for something serious or a repeated mistake that you've made, the person may be really upset. And so using all five is a good strategy because you're sure to say something that will be music to their ears. I truly believe this book has, it will transform lives. I mean, it's already transforming mine. And as we wrap up, what do you hope readers take away from this transformative book? You know, I hope that we'll be hearing some better apologies. Um, That's a real epidemic out there too. You know, we hear people saying like, I'm sorry, you took it that way. Um, or it's like, I'm sorry, you're too sensitive. Yeah. Or I was joking. Um, you know, they put the blame on us for being hurt when usually there was something there or else we wouldn't have responded to it. Um, so I hope that people will be able to be upfront with each other and have conversations about um, calling each other on things that are offensive and saying, wait, that really, that hurt, ouch. Um, don't, don't say or do that. And then if you're getting apologies that aren't meeting your needs, I hope people have conversations about what were your childhood scripts and what really shows you that I'm sincere when I apologize to you. This is such an enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. This book, this book has blown my mind. I'm going to have to read it a few more times and go back to this conversation. It's just, it's so good. Um, I think this will help as many people as its predecessor, the five love languages did. Thank you so much for being here today. This book is a must read. Oh, well, I appreciate your time and your attention to this important topic. Five Apology Languages is out now. And thank you, Jen, for that important conversation. 
So one book I've been recommending to everyone lately is Energize, Go from Dragging Ass to Kicking It by Dr. Michael Brias and Stacey Griffith. This book is another combined forces book where two experts in their specific fields come together to create magic and teach the masses. Michael is the sleep doctor. Stacy is the fitness expert. And through this book, we learn our body's natural rhythm, that body clocks are genetic and part of our DNA. And though we're living in an 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. world, not all of us operate on that schedule naturally. The book says when you live in sync with your circadian clocks, you are not fighting against your own nature and have energy to spare. The book walks us through our body type and our chronotype, which you absolutely need to learn by reading this book to find the right schedule for us individually, which will allow us to, as the book says, stop feeling so tired and burst with infinite energy all day long. Can you tell I'm totally geeking out over this book? So we each get a power profile and a power protocol, basically setting up how we should schedule our day to get the most out of it. The secret to why we are so exhausted as a society is right here in this book, y'all. It says, by recalibrating your life to increase your energy, you can do a complete 180. And if you try to become someone you're not, you'll only experience frustration and disappointment. This book is out now and you have to read it to see what I mean. It has completely changed my life and I'm trying so hard to get Michael and Stacy on the show to talk about it. It's all about knowing yourself and then planning your day accordingly. I love having more energy and I know you will too. And Michael and Stacy, please come on the show. Okay, moving on. So my friends, let me know what you're reading at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com and follow, rate, and review our show. We'll be back later this week with Atusa Rubenstein, former editor-in-chief of Seventeen and Cosmo Girl to introduce us, or me anyway, to a new platform that's making waves called Substack. Talk soon. Thank you.